This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Ladies and gentlemen, the media cannot seem to get their story straight. I'm not kidding. The story keeps changing by the day on the Wuhan virus, on protests. I mean, if you're not coming here for the truth, you're getting this hodgepodge of misinformation, and I really feel sorry for you. I got that. I got the brain drain of police departments. I'm finally going to get to that Spygate stuff, I hope. Um, I've been trying to get for for a few days. Uh, today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN, your online data. That's your business. No one else's. Get a VPN today at expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Uh, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hey, happy Wednesday, brother. Happy Wednesday. Doing good. Uh, Doing good. Very, very, uh, very early Wednesday. Uh, why yeah. is that? I'll <laughs> break some news for you here. You may have heard it yesterday. I mm. I kind of hinted at it on yesterday's show. Um, I will be testifying later today up on Capitol Hill in front of the Judiciary Committee on uh, policing, police use of force and other issues. So um, that should be interesting. I'll leave that one right there. And uh, I'm sure All you're right. not going to want to miss the show <laughs> on Thursday. There are some uh, interesting members on that committee. So um, again, we'll leave that one. Uh, today's show brought to you by our friends at iTarget. <laughs> Even though the country's opening up again, some of us are a little leery about being in confined spaces with the public. If you're looking for a great gift idea for Father's Day that's safe and COVID-free, please consider iTarget Pro. It's one of the coolest ways to drive fire with your firearm at home using their proprietary app and their laser round. Paula is now getting this for the 380. Not kidding. She wants to learn how to use my 380, the Glock. So the iTarget is coming her way on the 380. It's convenient, it's safe, and will save you a ton of money on ammunition. Dry fire training. When you fire a safely unloaded firearm, but we don't fire as a fire, you pull the trigger on it to practice your grip, your trigger control, and your sight alignment is the best way, one of the best ways to develop muscle memory, help with target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, grip, and more. iTarget comes in all major calibers, including 223 and 556. Stay sharp with almost any firearm, even if you can't get to the range. For Father's Day, get 10% off plus free shipping with the offer code DAN. Don't let this opportunity pass up. This is a great system. There are two things that matter with a firearm, safety and proficiency. iTarget's the way to go. Don't let circumstances dictate whether or not you're going to train. Take back control with iTarget Pro. That's the letter iTargetPro.com. iTargetPro.com. Offer code DAN. iTargetPro.com. All right, Joe, let's go. It is, bro. By the way, on a serious note, it is an honor to testify up on yeah. the hill, uh, God forbid there's some kind of an emergency that should go down. So I'm, you know, don't, don't take my, I'm not handling this tonight. This is a serious issue, but there are some interesting people on that committee who I'm not really sure they're looking to get answers, but I was there on the street. So I'll give them to them if they're looking for it. All right, let me start with a little bit of a clarification. I had said something the other day on the Sean Hannity show about the second amendment where I said, listen, I think the debate about the second amendment may be done for a, for a decade or a generation. And a lot of people, especially I read a lot of the forums and stuff, 
They were like, what is he saying? Of course the Democrats are going to come after our guns. Let me clarify. Yeah, that was, I, I have to be honest, but that was, that was poorly worded. I don't mean the debate is over. The Democrats are always going to try to take your guns. Make no mistake. Are we clear on that? Just let's put that to bed. And I'm, I'm really, my apology if that came out the wrong. What I meant to say, and I poorly worded on that appearance on Hannity, is that you can't simultaneously make the argument that you don't need a firearm because the government vis-a-vis the police are going to save you and then make the same argument, defund the police. You can make that argument. But as I said on my show, I don't know, two days ago, last week, I'm not, I don't care. They all seem to blend in these days. Same people won't accept that. Some very smart people have fallen for media traps in the past. You know, uh, Obama, you know, he's responsible for the Trump economic recovery, you know, pre-Wuhan disaster. Folks, that's nonsense, but people believe it because it's really hard to tease out the economic. Joe, you, is the audience ombudsman? I haven't asked you to yeah. take on that hat in a while, but do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's easy to obfuscate when it comes to economics and complicated issues because you can yeah. lose people in, sure. in data and they're not going to get into the granular buzzword right. level and they're look at deep. it and tease out correlation. Yeah. They're not going to do that. Right. They're not, not a lot because they don't have time. They're living their lives. They're working for a living too. They're taking their kids to soccer games. They're working, they're cooking dinner. They're at their jobs. They don't have time to distill out what's a lie and what's not on complicated economic data. That is not the case when it comes to criminality in your neighborhood. When your house is robbed and no police respond, there's no way to blame it on Trump. There just isn't, I'm sorry. And God forbid someone in your home is injured in a home invasion. And you don't have the ability to protect yourself using a firearm. You're not going to forget that later. God forbid, and I mean that, this happens to you. You are not going to just forget it because some liberal told you you don't need a firearm. Poorly worded. And I, you know, I always do mea culpas when I can. You know, I, I should have said that better. What I meant to say when the debate was over is really that I don't believe any push for significant gun control legislation is going to have the political capital it needs to advance and become law. That was probably a better way, even though it's more complicated, a better way to say it. Why? What am I basing that on? Not that we should give up this fight. Not that the left is not going to stop coming after your guns. They will. Always stay frosty. Always stay ready. The problem is they're not going to be able to make the arguments as easily they made in the past. And ladies and gentlemen, even in the past, when they perceived that they had the momentum after some of these tragic school shootings where they wanted to blame all gun owners and confiscate your guns too, even when they had the momentum, they still barely got anything significant passed. That momentum for them, what they perceived as momentum pursuant to tragedies, they do it. They leverage a lot of these tragedies and it's sad. They're not going to have that for a long time now. What do I mean? Again, if you think I'm making this up and I just randomly make comments. No, it's because I read things and research the material. Here's an article I read at the Washington Examiner. It's fascinating. Apparently the entertainment crowd, the Hollywood elitists and the liberals are out there buying guns. Washington Examiner, artist friends in the hills bought guns. 1980s singers, uh, a hit of a, she had a 1980s hit. She wrote that song, B, the B word. I'm a, I'm a, you know that song? Yeah, that's that singer. She's like, listen, my artist friends just bought guns. She condemns LA mayor's approach to crime. I don't know her politics. Wasn't it Meredith something? I don't know her politics at all. I'm simply suggesting to you, she lives in an extremely liberal area where there's a high probability her artist friends are liberals. Not a, we don't know it tautologically, but 
They may be liberals based on mm-hmm. the probability. Most people vote liberal there. And they're the ones buying guns. How about that? <laughs> but again, I, I should have yeah. rephrased it because again, I don't want to, I want you, I don't want you to feel like, oh, Dan's out of the fight. He said the debates are, no, no, I'm never, ever out of the fight. Something happens tomorrow. The liberals will want your guns again. They don't care. They'll pretend they didn't argue to defund the police and the media will back them up. I'm simply suggesting, and I'll leave it at this, they need public support to do that. They need it. And the reason prior massive gun confiscation efforts in the past have always failed, even in times of crises that liberals leverage, is because they didn't have the public support then. That's the only reason. I don't think they're going to have it now. But the debate isn't over. So I wanted to make sure we were clear on that. I've been meaning to get to that for a couple of days. And my sincere apologies for misleading you into thinking I was like backing away from the Second Amendment fight because nothing could be further from the truth. All right, moving on. Folks, the media has entirely abandoned you. I'm waiting to see how they respond to my uh, testimony up on the Hill. That should be interesting, too. I'm sure they'll cut and mix some sound to make it sound like I said something I didn't. Um, But the media is rarely, if ever, telling you the truth. So one of the things that's been bothering me lately, I mean, really under my skin deeply, burrowing in like a tick, is how their hypocrisy is so transparent that it's, I mean, any sane, rational actor right now can see they're hypocrites. And I think, I think the left has just accepted that fact that they're unprincipled and just, I'm not kidding, sincerely doesn't care anymore. I'm I'm not joking. I think the left, that's the media. The media and the left, it's one big, you know, amorphous blob of, of, of people from all over, the left and the media, right? They've given up on the idea that they're standing on principle. I, I'm not joking. Their hypocrisy is evident. So the great Tom Elliott at Grabian, who always does the best supercuts. We love them at Grabian. You're doing great work, Tom. He put together this supercut of media clip. It's a little long, but it's worth your time. Eh, a minute and a half, two minutes. It's worth your time. This is the media first condemning protests, perfectly legal. No criminal activity happened at these protests in Michigan and elsewhere, where people stood up to protest because they were being bankrupted and they stood up to protest against these ridiculous lockdowns, not based on any science anymore and stood up for their family's prosperity, their jobs, and everything else. The media hated that. So the beginning is the left-wing media going all out to condemn protesters because that cause, economic growth, big R, God-given rights, all of that stuff, that's to be condemned. But when the media found an issue they can leverage for identity politics, all of a sudden they loved protests. Listen to this supercut. If you want to watch it, youtube.com slash Bongino. Check out our YouTube channel. This is fascinating. So first we have the liberal, the uh, conservative protests being condemned. Then we have the liberal protests. Same groups of people there. I mean, groups in numbers, in some cases, they have no problem with that. Check this out. And a far more serious scene. Uh, watch these images. Really just an ugly, uh, dangerous scene at the state capitol in Michigan. As we look at this extreme group of people. Those pictures and those clashes really show um, the, the chaos. And you're out there with with um, with guns. I don't want to call them rallies. They're not protests. These quote unquote protests. I, I don't even think that that's the right word uh, because protests are supposed to be peaceful. I'm not embarrassed to say that I was afraid. It's not clear what they're demanding, demanding to infect other people, demanding to make other people sick. It's dangerous, and these people can take this home with them and hurt their families and all the rest. I'd like to ask them if they're willing to sign away their right to treatment, if and when they get infected. Who the hell do you think you are? I don't understand what is wrong with people. Stay at home. (laughs) 
I, I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a mostly a protest. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not generally speaking unruly. That ain't a riot, what we're seeing right now in Minneapolis. Excuse me, any reasonable person would say we shouldn't be destroying other people's property. But these are not reasonable times. And please show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. The beautiful thing is we're seeing citizens who are caring and concerned. They're hitting the streets. Heartwarming to see so many people turn out peacefully. You know, Brooke, I think this is a march, really. But as they're coming off, it's peaceful. They're saying peaceful protests. But across the country, uh, they're, uh, it's bringing people together, community with unity. People are risking COVID to explain to this country that we're fed up. Okay, folks, these are not serious people, okay? Um, Again, because they've forfeited their principles and liberals will back them up regardless, doesn't mean you have to. We need to call them out and expose them for the utter complete frauds, nonsensical garbage people they are. They're garbage people. They're unprincipled losers who their entire reason for being is to condemn you ruthlessly and endlessly, attack your big R God-given rights, to demean you, to destroy your character, That's all they live for, as long as you have the C in front of your name, a conservative. If you're a liberal, you get a free pass. So just to be clear, rallies they had in Michigan and elsewhere, Pennsylvania and elsewhere, to open up their economy so they can feed their families, despite no evidence of lawlessness at all at these rallies. Those are to be condemned. Condemned. Harshly condemned. Look at these radicals. What was that? Joe Scarborough, that nut job? Look at these extremists. Yet you have Ali Velshi from MSNBC at a riot. There were literally a building is burning behind me. He said, let me not mischaracterize this thing. Let me not. This is, this is largely peaceful. Frank Drebin from The Naked Gun. Nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to see here. The building's exploding in the back. Frank Drebin Velshi. Ali Frank Drebin Velshi. Someone should giffy him. You know the gift, the naked, if you see, the naked gun gift? If you've seen it, you don't have nothing to see here, folks. Put Ali Velshi on there. The Baghdad Bob of MSNBC. We are fine. Remember Baghdad Bob? Iraq is doing fine. And meanwhile, the whole country was falling apart. Are these guys kidding? These people are not to be trusted. Ignore them. As I said yesterday, in a time of crisis, you Tucker is right. You have to speak the truth. We have to all spine up, coat your spine in vibranium and adamantium x-men wolverine style and everybody's got a man up and woman up because these are not serious people they will attack you on twitter they will attack you on parlor they will attack you on facebook they will attack you everywhere it's okay we're ready for the fight because we know we're on the right side of it and you all are total frauds and we just proved it police officers cops murdered One stabbed in the neck in New York. David Dorn murdered. Tens of millions of dollars of property damage. Cities destroyed. Threats to defund the police. And yet the media wants you to believe we're the extremists. Your taxpayers are, your taxpayer dollars, by the way, are funding some of this nonsense. You don't believe me? Look at National Public Radio. Why they get a dollar of public funding is so absurd. It's hard for me to fathom and get my arms around. NPR, this is a left-wing propaganda outlet. Pravda style. Here's a tweet by NPR. Go look it up in their account if you think I'm making this up. At NPR. 
Thousands of voices at a protest in D.C. came together to sing the Bill Withers classic, Lean On Me, led by local musician Kenny Sway. It sounded like unity and togetherness, he says. It sounded like love and pureness of the people. Great. Celebrated your right to assemble and petition. Good for you. But just to be clear, if NPR had principles, they don't. So as long as there's a Wuhan virus threat, despite that, if there's something you believe in, whether to save your life, your business, save the life of uh, you believe in in fighting against police use of force uh, incidents or whatever it may be, that's okay. But let's look at NPR when they're talking about a Trump rally where his people, maybe outdoors, want to get together and fight for something they believe in. Here's NPR on Trump rallies. President Trump will hit the campaign trail this month despite the deadly coronavirus pandemic, which continues to impact the lives and livelihoods of households across the country. Households. The rallies will be tremendous, a campaign manager said. So just to be clear, when it comes to President Trump rallies, you have to emphasize how dangerous these are and the Wuhan virus. These are the people, again, we're supposed to trust and embrace as arbiters of truth. It's all nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Gaff it all off. These are unserious people. They're garbage people. They cannot get the truth right because they don't want to get the truth right. And they know no one's going to hold them to a standard because it's their, they're in a circle of idiots. It's all their media friends reporting on all their other media friends. It's outrageous. But we're going to call it out here. And it's not going to happen. Not on this show. Your action item is to ignore it. But why are you ignoring it? Because I want to demonstrate to you conclusively. Every single time. These are totally unprincipled people. They are not serious. I even fell for one of their tricks the other day, despite the Bongino rule. I'll get to that in a minute. I did. I'm not even kidding. The Bongino rule, 24 to 72 hours about an anti-Trump story. I even got suckered into it the other day. We got to put a story at Bongino.com to correct it. All right. To show you how the arbiters of truth are not, in fact, arbiters of truth at all. Again, here's a major story of the day. We saw, what, Tuesday? Daily Caller. WHO comes out and says, hey, listen. It's pretty rare for asymptomatic people to spread coronavirus. Jordan Lancaster. This is a big deal. Remember we were told? Remember the terror over asymptomatic spread? That this was going to, this was, remember that, Joe? That here, sure. folks, why yeah. is asymptomatic spread and the terror-inducing media coverage of it such a big deal? It's obvious. You have this potentially deadly virus for people in certain comorbidity groups and age groups. Not that deadly at all for people in other groups who are relatively healthy and young. Matter of fact, it's rare for them to die from it. But nonetheless, there are groups to be put in danger. You were told asymptomatic, this is a big deal. In other words, people you don't even know are sick can come up and infect you, and the chances are pretty good that that's mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. So now the authorities at the WHO and the media all of a sudden are like, oh, well... Let's backtrack on that a little bit. All of a sudden, the WHO is like, well, we can't really find any real evidence that asymptomatic spread is as big of a deal as we wanted you to believe it was. Pump the brakes, folks. Pump the brakes. Thank you. The blaze. The very next day, the experts, folks, these are the arbiters of truth. These are the experts. Dreaded air quotes. The Blaze, walk back. WHO now says asymptomatic spread may account for up to 40% of COVID-19 transmission. They just said it was very rare a day earlier. 
Do you have a screenshot from this? No. Hmm. You know what this reminds me of, Joe? <laughs> Remember back in the uh, was it nineties or the eighties? They were like, "Don't eat fat; it's really bad for you. You oh, will yeah. die of a heart attack." Yeah. Throw out the yeah. egg yolks. Remember? Oh yeah. You yeah, got to eat rice that. cakes. Oh yeah. All day rice cakes, nothing but carbs. Then they came out, and that book, like Sugar Busters, and other books came out. And uh -huh. They were like, "You know what I think." I think eating a lot of sugar and carbohydrates, eat refined carbohydrates, and even unrefined to a certain degree, I think that's will boost your insulin, and that's actually what's leading to heart disease and people being fat. <laughs> then all of a sudden you had Atkins. Eat fat all the time and yep. protein. Folks, I'm going to do a hard pass on the WHO. That's a chapter, by the way, in my new book, which I'll get to to follow the money, a whole chapter on the scam they pulled on you. I'm going to take a hard pass until they can surgically remove their craniums from their rectums and give us information they think is actually sound. The media, however, is invested in the panic. And the fact that asymptomatic spread, which is panic-inducing for everyone, I can get a disease from someone who's not even sick or not even symptomatic, I should say, precision matters, scares everyone. At least if you see someone coughing or sneezing, you know to back away. That's panic-inducing, asymptomatic spread. The fact that that may not be the problem they told you was, the media can't have that. So the WHO, you bootleg. You ever do a bootleg? Quarter turn, pop the emergency brake? One of the benefits of being a transportation section agent and uh, the whip over in the TS section of the Secret Service. You go to driving school all the time. Bootleg, all the way around at like 80 miles an hour and those Camaros on the driving pit. Oh, there's nothing like it. The best ride on earth. You turn, baby. We got to induce panic again. Tell them up to 40% of transmission. You just said it was rare. You just said that. Let's not let facts get in the way of a good story. All right, let me get to my second sponsor. I got a Spygate block, and I'm going to just do a quick thing on my book, which is now available for pre-order. I'm very happy. We're finally, finally done with it. It took forever. This one was the most research I've ever had to put into a book. Um, today's show also brought to you by our friends at Omax, ladies and gentlemen, we would be lost without Omax products in our house because of my arthritis and my noted issues with sleeping soundly and all at night. Um, if you're obsessed with CryoFreeze CBD, the pain relief roll-on that's been insanely popular on my show for instantly relieving joint pain, then you're going to want to listen to this. The new CryoFreeze CBD Advanced Joint Defense is a one-a-day supplement I take every day. It contains hemp-derived CBD and a clinically proven ingredient called NEM that relieves joint discomfort and soreness in seven days or less. I have really awful arthritis, and I've been addicted to this stuff. The breakthrough formula can reduce aches and pains from sore muscles, joint overuse, and aging. The best part is a CBD-powered supplement contains absolutely no THC, and our Omax friends make sure it's third-party tested to get you 100% quality you can trust. Premium uh, Omax is offering my listeners a limited time offer of 20% off their introductory pricing at Omax cryo-free supplements plus free shipping. Discount applies towards any product site-wide through the end of the month. Just go to omaxhealth.com today. That's O-M-A-X health.com today. Enter promo code Bongino to take advantage of this really incredible savings. That's omaxhealth.com. Enter promo code Bongino for 20% off site-wide. If you're looking to relieve your muscle and joint discomfort within seven days or less and are looking for a natural yet powerful solution that's tested and worked, try Omax CryoFreeze Advanced Joint Defense. This science-backed CBD-based formula is a breakthrough in joint health. It's a must for anyone dealing with annoying stiffness and joint pain. Go to omaxhealth.com and our code Bongino to get 20% off and site-wide. Don't let muscle soreness continue to be an excuse for living an active lifestyle. Omaxhealth.com. 
feel relief faster. Combine the, their, the cryo-free CBD joint defense folks with their roll-on. It's like ice on your joints and muscles. I love it. It's got the CBD in it and the menthol, and it's pretty much, I have to use it on my elbows after I bench, you know, the, the New York workout, bench and arms. That's what we do. I do legs too. I'm just kidding. What do you do on Monday? I bench. What do you do for legs? I bench. What do you do for back? I bench. <laughs> if you're in New York, you get the joke. But the roll-on and the CBD joint defense, the best. Okay. Um, so getting back to this, there's been some key developments in the spy gay cave. We haven't talked about it in a while, but the FBI is hiding someone. Now, if they're hiding him because he's a cooperator, great. But if they're hiding him because this guy is kind of a key player and is the choke point for every part of this scandal and they're trying to cover it up, I'm going to be really upset. And so are you. Before I get to that, it's to cover my new book. If you wouldn't mind picking it up, I'd really appreciate it. I mean, I wrote it for you. Uh, believe me, uh, it's not about the money anymore. Of course, the book isn't free. It takes a lot to produce. But there's my book, now available for pre-order. If you want to see the cover, uh, it's Follow the Money, The Shocking Deep State Connections to the Anti-Trump Cabal by uh, me, Dan Bongino. And uh, it exposes all the connections between the impeachment hoax. Soros makes an appearance in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know that. The WHO. And when you find out the connections between all this and the Spygate people, I promise you it's going to blow your mind. Check it out. It's available for pre-order now. You can go to Barnes and Noble, uh, Barnes and Noble, and wherever bookstores are sold. We'd really appreciate it if you pick it up. You uh, help drive us up the charts into, uh, I think, somewhere the double digits or just or low triple digits the other day. So thank you. It means a lot. On the Spygate scandal, and the reason I'm covering this is this guy has a chapter within the book all himself, and the FBI seems to be hiding him. Check out this article by The Daily Caller. Uh, this is about FBI agent Stephen Soma. So Lindsey Graham, who says he wants accountability now, we'll see. Uh, Lindsey Graham says he's being denied access to FBI employees who interviewed key dossier sauce. Uh, sauce. It's not tomato sauce. Source. Source by Chuck Ross. Interesting. He's being denied access. Now, because I don't like fake news, and when we get baited, we correct it, of course, unlike the other fake news, who's still telling you the collusion hoax is real. You know, the PP hoax? Yeah, they're still telling you the PP hoax is legit. Soma, this FBI agent, who is the centerpiece of this, you're like, centerpiece of the entire Spygate scandal. I've never heard of him. Exactly. You will in my book. There's a whole chapter. It's one of these clockwork orange eye openers. Remember that? You ever see that movie, Joe? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those look like they hurt, by the way. Soma is an <laughs> eye opener. And if you've never heard of Soma, it's probably for a reason. Let's get to what he did. First, let's go back and give you some history. Oh, let me just say again, the fake news part. Soma may be cooperating. If he is cooperating with the investigate, maybe, then that's fine. Then hide him until we get the investigation done and concluded. No problem with that. I don't know that, but I, it's only appropriate for me, interested in facts, to give you an alternate scenario. I don't think he's cooperating. Not based on my sources, but I have to give you that. The FBI may be hiding him, the upper level of the FBI, because he is the core of the whole case. What did he do? Well, let's put a little back, a little history, put a meat, some meat on the bone here about what Stephen Soma was up to. Let's go back to this Washington Examiner article by the great Jerry Dunleavy. It's from a while ago, but it's worth your time. Dan Chaitlin, uh, Jerry Dunleavy. FBI case agent one, Stephen Soma, is primarily responsible, quote, for FISA failures. So, again, if you've never heard of this guy, oh, you will when the Durham report comes out. 
What do I always tell you? Remember the names, folks. Remember the names. They always come back. Always. So what did Soma do first? Well, let's go to this screenshot from the Dunleavy piece. And another reason why he may be hard to find, if you know what I mean these days. Case Agent 1, again, believed to be Soma, said he prepared the FISA request form, Horowitz wrote. The FISA request form drew almost entirely from Steele's reporting in describing the factual basis to establish probable cause to believe that Page was an agent of a foreign power. What does that mean? Our buddy, FBI agent Stephen Stone, by buddy, I mean not buddy, seems to have taken his uh, pen and signed his John Hancock to a bunch of forms, these FISA forms, or been involved in them at the minimum, that they use to prepare the warrant to spy on the Trump team using the dossier. You think he'd be a key person to talk to? No. Maybe. So you're telling me the warrant to spy on the Trump team was prepped by this guy and we're just hearing about him now? No, no, not if you listen to this show. I actually talked about him a little while ago. And like I said, there's a whole chapter on our buddy Steve. Well, what else did Soma do? Well, what he's, I can tell you what he's accused of doing. They're accused of leaving out of the application to spy on the Trump team, the warrant to go to the FISA court. They're accused of leaving out exculpatory information. You know, the information where Carter Page and George Papadopoulos are on recordings telling people that they're innocent. Kind of important, right? A little bit. We're trying to prove this guy's guilty. We got him on tape saying he's not guilty. Let's leave that out. So those are two kind of big things, right? Interesting you've never heard of this guy, some of you. Even though he prepped the FISA and is accused of leaving exculpatory info out. Fascinating. But it doesn't end there with our buddy Steve. Though he's more with Steve. An old chapter on Steve. Old chapter make him famous. So let's follow some of Steve's connections. That's the whole subject of the book. Follow. It says follow the money, but it's really about follow the connections. Some of it's about money. Some of it's about connections. Let's follow Stephen Soma's connections. So Stephen Soma apparently was an FBI agent in a New York field office in the counterintelligence division. Well, why, why does that matter? Remember, this is the guy who apparently prepped the warrant to spy on the Trump team, which used information from the dossier, which I believe was written by more than just Steele. Well, he worked in the New York field office counterintelligence section roughly at the same time of another FBI agent, last name Gaeta, who was over in London after he was in New York, of course. Why does that matter? Oh, this gets good. Follow me here. I'm Budsman Hat, producer Joe. Yes, sir. All right. He's manning up. Stephen Soma, ladies and gentlemen, is a handler or was a handler, or used as a source at one point, Stefan Halper. Stefan Halper was the spy inserted in the Trump team to generate all of that information, the page information, the Papadopoulos information. He was the FBI spy. Soma was his handler. He had used him as a source before. Gaeta, the agent who was in London, who meets with Steele in early July, by the way, Christopher Steele, alleged to be the author of the dossier. Gaeta, hat tip, by the way, Margot Cleveland for a lot of this information. She's hat tipped extensively in my book. Gaeta, the FBI agent, worked with Soma in the New York field office. And Gaeta was one of the handlers for Christopher Steele. 
Mm-hmm. Follow me here. Mm-hmm. So an okay. FBI agent who's got a pre-existing relationship with Stefan Halper, an FBI spy, likely knows and worked with another FBI agent who is then handling Steele, who says he wrote the dossier. Remember, why did they need Steele to write the dossier? Because Steele is a little complicated, but this is worth your time because Christopher Steele was a former British intelligence agent who had some experience in Russia about a decade ago. They needed him to be the face of it. I don't believe he wrote it, ladies and gentlemen. He may have written parts of it, but I believe parts of that dossier may have been due to some of the information that came from Halper. Now, why would that be a big, huge scandal? Because as I've told you in the past, Halper was being paid by your tax dollars through the Pentagon for contracts, some of them in that time period around when Trump team members are being spied on. Did you pay for someone to spy on your preferred presidential candidate with your tax dollars? I thought Steele wrote it. Kind of interesting that Steele's handler and Halper's handler seemed to know each other and -hmm. could have crossed paths in the New York field office. Don't worry, Joe. The FBI story here is that the dossier had nothing to do with them starting the case. Remember? Oh, yeah. They said they didn't get the dossier until September, and they started the case in July, right? Remember? Because they said we got this tip about George Papadopoulos from the Australian government. The dossier had nothing to do with it. Follow the timeline. Yeah. July 31st, FBI opens a case against Trump. FBI swears on record it wasn't because of the dossier. We didn't get that till September. That's after July. That's fascinating. Because Lisa Page, an FBI lawyer, when questioned on the record up on Capitol Hill, she said that the New York field office, you mean the New York field office that Steele's handler and Halper's old handler worked in at one point? That one. Lisa Page has said on the record that the New York field office had this information in the dossier. When? Oh, July 28th. I thought they said they got it in September and it had nothing to do with them opening the case. Why would they say that? Because they don't want you to believe they used the PP tape to investigate a presidential candidate. That's why. Uh Except shockingly, two guys who worked in the New York field office handling the two main sources in the case seem to know these two sources that are giving information to the office they used to work in. What, three days before they opened the case in D.C.? But don't worry, nobody talked. Nobody. It was all up in New York. We didn't know anything about it in D.C. Making matters even worse, and I'll wrap this up, not to boggle your mind with Spygate stuff today, so just to be crystal clear in here. Both Halper's handler and... Steele's handler worked together in the New York office that got the dossier or portions of it July 28th. Despite the FBI swearing to this day, they didn't get it till September because they want you to believe they opened it because of this Papadopoulos tip. That is clearly 100% garbage. I want to know what Soma, who prepared the FISA document, who left out the exculpatory information, I want to know what he was telling Gaeta was he telling him, hey, my guy, remember my guy, Halper? Remember my guy? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Remember we worked in New York? Yeah, that, that guy, yeah, I don't know him. Yeah. We got some information, man. It's bad for Trump. It is? Oh, great. Gator. Oh, my gosh. I got information, too. You know my guy, Steele? I know your guy, Steele. Yeah, Steele. 
yeah, yeah. Hey, I think we should send us up to New York. Let's do that. Maybe it'll filter down to DC. We can open it. Did any of that happen? Seems kind of coincidental, no? Of course, making matters worse, it always gets worse. After they opened up a case on George Papadopoulos, Carter Page, and Paul Manafort, the FBI, on August 10th. Remember, they opened up the general case July 31st. A month later in August, they opened specific cases on those three, Page, Papadopoulos, and Manafort, August 10th. All of a sudden, somebody who's got a grudge against Mike Flynn must have been like, you're not opening up a case on Mike Flynn? You know that guy, the guy who knows a lot of dirt about the intelligence community? I think we need a case open on him. We do? Oh, yeah, we do. Well, who shows up August 11th? Oh, yeah, Soma's guy, Halper, the day after they don't open the case on Flynn. And magically, Joe, he has information about Flynn. Oh, what a coincidence. Was Soma wow. like, hey, fellas, look, I got this guy. I don't know what happened. He's <laughs> coincidentally knows all these people, Mike Flynn on the trip. Maybe you should talk to him. And then what happens just a few days later on August 16th, they open up a case against Mike Flynn too, based on nothing at all but rumor, innuendo, and pee-pee. Pee-pee stuff. It's a pee-pee. I can't say that enough. I know it's gross, but it just, there is nothing. That's what the dossier was. Trump paid prostitutes to urinate on a bed. If you know anything about Donald Trump and his germophobia, you would have laughed this story out of the newspapers on day one. But you don't. You just fell into the TDS level six hysteria. To your own embarrassment, by the way. Eternal embarrassment. Not, not ours. We laugh at you to this day. We, and history, trust me, even liberal history at some point will have to laugh at you. They will. They, they will have to save their own reputation. They'll be like, you fell for the pee-pee stuff? Oh my gosh, what a moron. <laughs> by the way, the chapter on Soma in my book has a lot more detail. Walks through the whole thing. You're going to be like, wait, how do we not know this guy again? Now does it make sense why they may be hiding this guy? Hey, did you bring Halper in on August 10th or on August 11th? Were you talking to Gata? Were you handling Halper as Gata was handling Steele as Steele and Halper? Were you the conduit? Did Halper write some information to the dossier? Did you help him get information into Steele's dossier? Kind of a key figure, no? All right. You know, let me get to my last sponsor today. And I wanted, I have to do a mea culpa. I, I got sucked in. I cannot believe it. I didn't do darn Bongino rule. Although I did give myself an out on it, but still, I shouldn't even touched it because I know better with the media. But before I get to our last sponsor of the day, a great one, and I'm hungry, which is I always hate this read when I'm hungry because the food is delicious and that I've eaten it and I know about it. I start reminiscing about my experience with Omaha Steaks and my mouth waters endlessly. I'm not messing with you. This stuff is fantastic. Omaha Steaks is now offering my listeners access to a variety of amazing packages at my steaks. Paul even threw up a picture of the steaks we made a couple of weeks ago. YouTube.com slash Bongino. Check them out on the grill there. They have a number of packages available now for Father's Day. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter promo code Bongino in the search bar. You'll see all of these great options available, many that include free shipping and a free one-pound package. They're perfectly cured, incredibly thick, applewood, I can't do smoke steak, cut bacon. I can't get through this. Really, this stuff's ridiculously good. There are many packages available that are perfect for dad. They're all ready to be shipped straight, stripped to his door. I can't even talk because i Just I'm, get a towel, you know? Get a towel. <laughs> this is Pavlovian. <laughs> it is Pavlovian. I'm not kidding. All we need is a belt. Omaha Steaks is a variety of Father's Day packages that include world-famous Omaha Steaks, naturally aged at least 21 days for tenderness and hand-carved to perfection. Burgers, franks, sausages, other favorites, perfect for grilling, premium poultry and pork, 
tasty and easy to make side dishes, artisan desserts, and much more. Right now, Father's Day packages are ready to order, ready to ship. Many include free shipping and a free pound of their steak cut bacon. Omaha Steaks deliver guaranteed quality and safety with every order. So send dad a gift of food he'll love this year. Make Father's Day simple this year. Send dad the gift he really wants. Perfectly aged Omaha Steaks and get free shipping and free steak cut bacon with select packages. OmahaSteaks.com. Type on Gino in the search bar. Shop for Father's Day today. And thank you again for the cool mug, Omaha Steaks. You guys are pretty awesome over there. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I got through it without having... uh, salivating like a like a pavlovian uh, dog i mean it's just it's that good all right so i fell for it i'm sorry i i you know even sometimes i fall prey to media shenanigans what have i told you? what's the bongino rule right regular listeners you know it. you've heard right. it a thousand times any anti-trump story you hear from left-wing media the new york times the washington post you know the the, the garbage people they're not interested in fact Give it 24 hours or 72 hours to simmer, and it'll probably be almost immediately debunked. The evidence is everywhere. I did not do that, and it is a huge stain on the show that I must wash clean. So I told you on Monday's show, I was going to get to this yesterday, but I didn't have enough time, that there was a rumor out there in the New York Times that the Bush family, uh, the Bushies, and I know some Bushies are not going to vote, in fact, for Trump and are going to support Biden. So that part of the story I know is true from sources. I mean, but these New York Times story that former president, 43, George W. Bush, obviously, um, was going to vote for and support Biden turns out to be another New York Times hoax. Now, may come out in the future, Bush changes his mind back again. I don't know. Here's Matt Palumbo, our resident fact checker, fact checking me, no less. He's fired immediately. Fired on my show. I'm kidding. I love Matt. Hey, when we get it wrong, we get it wrong. I'm not kidding. On my site, fact-checking me. Spokesman for George W. Bush says, New York Times story claiming he won't vote for Trump is bogus. I, 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 it's, a, it's a stain on the shelf forever. Sometimes, Joe, even the Bongino rule gets violated by the Bongino. <laughs> me talking about myself in the third person like Bob Dole. It will not happen again. It may. Sometimes even I get suckered. Because it's so believable, because I have so little faith in the establishment, but even I should have held back on that story. You have my sincere, deepest apologies, folks. Uh, authenticity matters. All right, on a serious note, getting back to some uh, serious topics here. So I saw this story in the Washington Examiner about a brain drain from police departments across the country, specifically in the NYPD. The story's serious. It's worth your time. It'll be in the show notes, and it's worth you reading and spreading around as a warning. Uh, it's a Washington Examiner story about police officers in mass putting in their papers to retire or resign. Folks, this is a big deal. And now for this is by the great Kerry Pickett, a terrific actual journalist and reporter who does real work. NYPD police prepare to leave force, saying top brass has abandoned them. It's a shameful story, folks. They talk about over 600 police officers potentially putting in their paperwork to either resign or retire. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, was right. Now, folks, having been a police officer myself, again, I feel like I owe to you. That's not just bad for the obvious reasons. Less cops on the street. Yeah, that, that's obvious. That's bad. You don't want less cops on the street, specifically in high crime areas. That will happen. People resign. Those people aren't there to stand on the streets. Simple, right? But it's more complicated than that. And again, stuff you probably won't hear in the mainstream media. So I took a few notes on this. What about the techs, police officers and detectives assigned to technical units? Latent fingerprint units, burglary units, police officers responding to burglary units. 
print officers, pattern identification officers that sit in front of computers all day. I did that. Did you know that? When I was a cadet, I was in the pattern identification module above the 114 precinct in Astoria, Queens. You know what I did? I sat together uh, in, in front of a computer all day. It was an old computer. Gosh, they used like the green screen stuff. But I would read through, I had robberies and I would read through them and you'd be surprised what you can find out. I remember one, I found out that this guy, he had this proclivity for using duct tape and robberies. It was the same guy. It helped tie together multiple police reports. We wound up catching the guy because we had a good description. I'm not saying it was some work of genius. I just saw duct tape and I, I just read that a little while. Duct tape, duct tape. All of a sudden, all these reports came up in the same blind. It was the same guy. Folks, that was all experience. That was easy. That's an easy example. Googling and or we didn't even have Google, but... Searching duct tape is not some example of, you know, police expertise. It was easy to do. But gathering prints at a scene, sophisticated analysis of crime scenes. We had this great detective. I, I, uh, he's, he was a really terrific guy. A little stiff, but great guy. I was a cadet at the time, so he was always like yelling at me for something. But he was a nice guy nonetheless. And he said something to me when I was new. I mean, this may seem obvious now. And now as a, you know, former decade-long federal investigator and a cop, it would seem obvious, but I'll never forget. I was reading a, a report about a shooting and he said, um, he said, it's a 38. I said, it's a 38. The weapon, how do you know that? It didn't say anything in the report about it being a 38. He goes, I said, did you get the slug from the guy? He goes, no. He said there were, there were no shells at the scene and it was probably a revolver because there were no shells. That doesn't expel the revolver casings like a semi-automatic. And he said, most street guys don't use 357. It's a 38. So that's what we know to look for. Or, and I thought, I mean, now it's obvious. If you don't see shell casings, obviously it was probably a revolver or they cleaned them up. But that he was able to do that in just seconds. It turns out he was right, by the way, later. That's all the function of experience over time. All gone. They're all going to leave. Putting in their, could have got five more years out of them. Some of the greatest techs in the world. What about your forensics people? Did you think about that? Crime scene guys. Show up at a crime scene, and I'm telling you in seconds, can tell you maybe not who did it, but where they came in, entry, exit. They know how to establish evidence-free pathways. Why does that matter? You don't want to contaminate your crime scene. Here's what we're going to do. Here's, the, here's how we're going to grid off the evidence scene here. Here's how we're going to get the shell case. Here's how we're going to process them. Folks, this is experience stuff. It takes a long time to learn. You don't just walk in as a rookie. Crime scene's mine. All leaving. Not all of them. A lot of them. Leaving. Gone. God forbid that's your kid involved in a shooting. You're going to have some guy, some rookie, who candidly has no experience at all out there processing the crime scene because your experienced detectives have left? What about, shout out to my friend Brian, who's now retired. He was in a gang unit for, gosh, five, ten years, I think. All they, this guy could tell you anything about gangs, anything in New York, anything. Gang signs, tattoo, it doesn't, you, seconds, if even that. That guy's a Latin king, but Latin king probably from East New York, not on the Bronx side. Of I mean, amazing. Amazing, just, just by looking at a tattoo. He could look at pictures of people. That guy knows this guy, under this guy, they're running this guy. Gone. He's already gone. He's already retired. Could have stayed more years. He's already gone. 
What about all those gang officers? Organized crime specialists. All they need to do is look at a picture of Fat Tony. Hey, Fat Tony works for Tony Red under Tony Black and Tommy Two Times. You, he's going to fill in a book. Did you read it in a book somewhere? Are you going to have some academic from Capitol Hill? going to replace? He read it in a, in a Tom Clancy novel somewhere? What about your investigators, your child abuse investigators? Did you think about that? Listen, this one's a sensitive topic. I'm going to try to hold it together. I don't want to lose it. Have a, if you read one of my first books, you'll understand. I don't need to go into it here. But ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing more disturbing when you're a cop walking into child abuse. Nothing. Physical, sexual, it's serious emotional abuse. It's, 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 it changes your life. You're never the same person. That's the reason in the Secret Service, we have an ECTF, Electronic Crimes Task Force. Some members are, um, are uh, assigned to a sexual predator task force. You're not even allowed to stay there for more than, I think, like six months to a year. Because it, I'm not kidding. It, it turns your brain into spaghetti. You can't believe the depravity of people. It's sickening. These child abuse investigators, ladies and gentlemen, can tell when a child is lying not lying to protect himself, but lying to protect a someone else because that someone else, well, in, in a way to protect themselves because that someone else has told me, you talk to the cops when they come over here, I'm going to beat your again. I've seen them. They can see through it right away. They know how to look at that kid and say, this kid's got to get out of this house. You think it's a joke? You're defund the police? You're going to go help that kid? You've done this before? You know how to see through that? No, no, my dad's great. He's wonderful. The dad's sitting there giving him the look. If you've seen that a couple hundred times, you know that look. That kid's coming with you. You've ever walked in that scene, folks. Changes your life forever. If you've been on the receiving end of it, it changes your life forever. There's no going back. There's no trade backs. You gonna get rid of them too? What about your detectives? NYPD has some of the finest detectives in the world. You know, can I give you a moment of self-deprecation? It matters, but, you know, when I was a young Secret Service agent, you know, you were a know-it-all. Everybody is. Not everyone. Maybe just me. But <laughs> I was. Ask Paula on our first date. She'll tell you. She still tells that horror story. Thankfully, I've uh, since left behind some of my worst characteristics, but I'll never forget working on a joint task force with these local police detectives who had been on the job like 30 years. And I wasn't, I listen, I was a cop. So I was in no way that was very friendly with them, but candidly folks, I have to tell you, they wanted to interview my subject in a fraud case. And I was like, God, I'd already done it a few times, not interviewed this guy, but interviewed. And I knew what I was doing. I was like, I got this guys. I walked in there. I interviewed this guy probably an hour. I could not get this guy to crack. Big bulky. I mean, like, 300 pounds of bone before you even put the muscle on him, guy. Because he's eating a bag of chips. I have this down. I'm not even kidding. I have paper chips, guy. Because I wanted to tell you the story. He's eating a bag of chips. I'm, I don't take this guy seriously, and I should have. He's like, Dan, you want to give me a shot at him? I'm like, Dan, go ahead, man. It's been an hour. He's not giving me anything, you know? He's like, I went there. Walks in there. Folks, I'm not even kidding. I can't even do it because I... He walks in. For, watch on the YouTube, folks. I got to keep the mic close to me. So... He throws his feet up on the desk, feet up on the desk, in the, with the guy, starts eating the chips. The guy's looking at him like, the bad guy, what the hell is this guy? He's eating the chips. He's like, you like chips? 
Wise chips are, is it good, right? Remember those wise in the blue bag? Yeah, a little oily. How do you feel about chips? You know what? In like 10 minutes, this guy totally cracked. The guy was confessing to everything, including like the Lindbergh kidnapping. I'm joking. Everything. Wrote out the whole thing. Guy comes out and says, yeah, here you go. I'm telling you, I never, ever again, never, ever made the mistake of stereotyping anyone. Anyone in law enforcement. Anyone. That guy got what I couldn't got in a quarter of the time. You know why? He'd interviewed probably close to five, six hundred people. All that experience from potato chip guy is gone. Believe me, it wasn't about the potato chips. He was doing that for a reason. He was doing that to put the guy at ease. Eating naturally calms people. You ever see, you ever notice Brad Pitt eats in every movie? You ever notice that? Every movie's in, he's eating something and it's calming. People chewing gum, you talk to them different. He had apparently, I'm not messing with you. He had done that probably a thousand times. Put the guy totally at ease. Gave up everything. Never forgot potato chip guy. Ever. Paula never forgot her first date either. (laughs) That's a story I'll have to tell you sometime. That was a classic. Maybe I'll show you my abs too. You'll get the joke if you know me personally. It's a joke. All right. I got to debunk something quick and I got a lighter story to end the day. And then, uh, Tomorrow should be a very interesting show. It's very early. So got to do some flying today and some traveling. The logistics here are really awful. Not their fault. No flights. So Bongino.com. Great story in the show notes again about these total hypocrites on the left. Liberal who wants to cut $150 million from LAPD budget gets private security by our friend Matt Palumbo, who is fired after today. Matt fact checks everyone, even me. So this is an interesting story. Here's a little screenshot from the piece. A Nori Martinez, who is an L.A. City Council member, wants to cut $150 million from the police. Matt writes, ironically, Martinez benefits from LAPD, from the LAPD to the extent the citizens, unfortunately, don't have. As Spectrum News noted, an LAPD unit, often staffed by two officers, was ordered to stand watch outside President Nuri Martinez of the city council's private home from April until June, multiple LAPD sources have confirmed the Spectrum News. The private security detail infuriated some members of the force when Martinez became one of the council members to spearhead a motion to cut $150 million in funding to the LAPD budget. Again, ladies and gentlemen, can I tie this back to the beginning? The COVID story, the protest story with the media and the left, these are unprincipled lunatics. They don't mean anything they say. You got to cut the LAPD budget, just not my security detail. They just don't care anymore. They've given up on principles and are all in on fraud and gaslighting. They just don't care. Period. These are garbage people. They're not serious. All right. On a lighter note, last story of the day, put up in the show. I'm not a big fan of GQ for obvious reasons, like the most PC leftist magazine ever. But I saw this story and I hadn't done a, haven't done a rough cuts show. You have to be an old listener to know what rough cuts means. That's like a Rio Linda thing with Rush Limbaugh. If you know what rough cuts shows are, you've been listening a long time. I used to do shows about, on holidays about fitness and stuff. Ladies Uh and gentlemen, warning, GQ, there's a great kettlebell shortage of 2020 coming. You know I love kettlebells, ladies and gentlemen. They look like cannonballs with handles. My humble opinion, it is the greatest exercise tool known to mankind. Warning, 
Get them now because the great kettlebell shortage of 2020 is happening. Apparently, due to gyms being closed and the demand, outrageous demand for home equipment, kettlebells, many of which are forged in China, you have to stamp, it looks like a cannonball, <laughs> are getting hard to find. Luckily, I've got a set of kettles I've had for a long time. And let me tell you something. They will change your life. Be careful with them. You can hurt your back if you don't use them right. But the kettle, your time's running out on the kettle. Go get the kettle now before the kettle runs dry. Pick them up. I'll throw that article in the show notes on a little bit of a lighter note, too, so you all can kind of read something that doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't, isn't Debbie Downer stuff for the day. All right. Don't miss my testimony later up on uh, Capitol Hill. I'm sure we'll have some interesting moments on Thursday. And uh, please pick up a copy of my new book available for pre-order now. I promise you're going to love it. Follow the money available barnesandnoble.com and bookstores everywhere online. And it'll be available in bookstores for uh, in October. But please pick it up on pre-order now. Helps us get a good idea for the demand. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. I will see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.